0: Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit DoItForYouMC.org. Hey
1: everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.K.
2: Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty Seat podcast with me, Rich Cooling. Um another exciting show for you today. So joining me today is, is Rob from the Five Yard Families. How are you doing, Rob?
3: Very, very well. Um thank you for, for having me on. I feel honored to follow all the guests you have had so far. It's been
2: <laughs> great to you know pick this topic as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um so what we're gonna be doing today is we're gonna be having a um, a rehash, shall we say, of the, the 2020 draft um so we're going to be talking it through from a superflex standpoint um but I guess before we dive into that Rob it seems silly not to at least discuss it um obviously we're, we're recording on a Monday night for uh, to bring people behind the curtain but did you stay up last night did you watch Super Bowl what, what did you think of it? I, I did stay up and as as a neutral and
3: as someone who thinks of the game as something that's more than just offensive players I really enjoyed it um and I, uh, you know, came to the game not knowing that the defenses were going to play a big part in it, and and as we saw, they definitely did. You know, the Chiefs' uh, defense couldn't deal with the Tampa Bay offense, and then they couldn't deal with the some of the things that happened as well. It was, um, yeah, it was it was a good a good experience for anyone who, re- you know, isn't all about the points. It's it's about what happens during the game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know. The, a lot of the talk today has been, I think if if, if you're a Bucks fan and a, a Tom Brady fan, you absolutely loved it. Um, and I think a few people were were disappointed that the Chiefs didn't sort of come out and, and put up a load of points. But actually, as you said, it was it was an interesting game. The, the only disappointment for me was that I just felt that it it sort of the fourth quarter just petered out. I, I would have quite liked a Chiefs touchdown just to make it close, to make it a bit more exciting. Um, but as you said, from a kind of a schematic entertainment point of view it was um it was fascinating throughout
3: mm. and it wasn't through a lack of trying they they did try the hardest it's just you know when you've got so many vital players like the two starting tackles being out and you know just not being able to deal with the the rush offense you know Mahomes Mahomes had a, a tough time I think we can all agree with that and yet somehow getting away some incredible attempts and you know The the one where he's virtually parallel to the floor whilst getting that pass away (laughs) to to Williams in the end zone. It's you know it's amazing what he can do. It's it's
2: it was just a case of the books defense being so dominant over that. Yeah, I do think, and I've seen a lot of oh you know Mahomes did everything that he could do. I I do think maybe this is slightly controversial, but I think at times he was breaking the pocket a bit too early. I think there was times where he could have stepped up in the pocket, but he was almost. You know, to, to use a Jets phrase, he was seeing ghosts at times and um, he was sort of get, getting the ball from the snap and, and almost taking off immediately, which if you're an offensive line, I get that, you know, they had loads of injuries, but you can block for a guy who's going to stand in the pocket. If he's breaking the pocket immediately, you know, if you're a tackle, you're essentially trying to keep the defender outside of you, but Mahomes was rushing outside immediately and it, <laughs> he had no chance kind of thing. So I did think that, you know, I think he caused some of those problems as much as kind of solved them if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um so diving into kind of the dynasty side of things. So how much kind of are you in many dynasty leagues have you got kind of much exposure or
3: Um not as many as some of your previous guests so let's just put it that way. Um I <laughs> yeah. only uh, signed up to two dynasty leagues this year. I've never, never done it before. This is my first year and so this will be my first rookie draft in 2021 um i have done redraft before but this is only my maybe my third year coming into my fourth year now of of actually playing fantasy football um so it's been a very steep learning curve i found out about dynasty maybe two years in but didn't have anyone to to get involved with that um as well but yeah this this uh first season of dynasty has been a lot of things to learn. And, uh, you know, that's why coming on these shows is going to be really good because I get to learn from someone who's done it for a long time.
2: <laughs> well, hopefully we can, can teach you something, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's as you said, coming into your first rookie drafts, it's, for me, my favourite time of the year because I think that, you yeah, know, we all have a draft, but particularly with the rookie drafts, I think there's so much opportunity to, to, you know, essentially completely turn around your franchise or, or completely destroy your team if uh, if you go badly. So um, so as I alluded to earlier, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a redraft of the 2020 Rookie Draft. Um, obviously, so far, this this kind of podcast we've been mainly talking about last year. Um, and I guess this is really the, the transition into Rookie Talk. So, um, so we're going to redraft the 2020 Rookie Draft. And then from next week on, we're going to be focusing on um, kind of next year's draft class and, and beyond getting you prepped for those rookie drafts. So, um, so Rob, as you are the guest, um, I'm going to let you you go first with the 101. So just to reiterate, this is a super flex PPR draft. Um, we're drafting it as if it's kind of best player available. We're not worrying about team needs or anything like that. So, so who
3: is your 101? Uh, I went for... Um, the Rookie of the Year. I went for the offensive Rookie of the Year. I went for Justin Herbert as my one-on-one. Um,
2: hard, hard not to, I think.
3: Yeah. Um. I, just the way that he came in this year after getting a lot of people, a lot of naysayers, questioning his ability to do the things that he, he has shown himself to do this year. But to come in with such a short notice after what happened with Tyrod Taylor in week two, you know, instant impact, you know, and something that a lot of people will find very hard to do even with the preparation of having a preseason, you know, an extended preseason and preseason games. But he was one of the bright spots in the Chargers um uh, offensive game. You know, he was calm and collective, stepped up, he developed great chemistry with some of the big names who were there already, but then also managed to get the most out of all the, the bit part players like, you know, Donald Parham, KJ Hill, Jalen Gatton, Tyron Johnson, you know, managed to get them firing as well. And you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who scores that, that receiving touchdown, it'll have been Herbert that's throwing them the ball. So, you know, he he has made such a difference to imagine finest fantasy, uh, fantasy teams who've drafted him, you know, on the off chance that he comes in at some part of the 2020 season. But to get so much out of him for so uh, much of the season must have been such an unexpected
2: uh, surprise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the value of where he was going in in rookie drafts. So he his ADP from last year was the one ten. So you know if you were a contender last year in in twenty nineteen, you managed to get Justin Herbert with your first round pick. You, you've essentially he's he's now you know a, a top six quarterback in terms of ADP. It's it's a fantastic guy to add that late in the draft, and I think it just reiterates the fact of how valuable quarterbacks can be. Mm-hmm. when you hit on them in a rookie draft and you know and it's a theme that we'll I'll probably talk through over the next couple of months so I'm blue in the face. But I just think that in these rookie drafts, if if in doubt got quarterback is is um you know a pretty good philosophy to have to be mm-hmm. honest. Um so I'll then dive in and, and take the 102. Um so following on that theme of if in doubt take a quarterback I'm um, I'm gonna take another quarterback. and um, so I'm gonna take Joe Burrow. Um I think that it came into what was, let's be honest, a, a challenging situation. I think that offensive line in Cincinnati mm-hmm. was, was pretty awful. Um, yes, he had some fantastic weapons and, and he showed in the short time that he was on the field before that horrific injury that you know he could produce fancy relevant wide receivers um, but also could produce himself. So he was the quarterback 18 in points per game, um, averaging almost 18 points a game. I think that hopefully he comes back fully healthy from... This, uh, this horrific injury, and hopefully he can um, slightly get some improvements on the offensive line. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are, that are mocking some some tackles, but I, I think I would like to see them go out and spend some money, whether it be a guard or or a center in free agency. Um, I think perhaps that interior of the line is is more of an issue than the tackles. Um, where what do you think about Joe Burrow?
3: I couldn't agree more. In fact, looking at the notes that I've made, you've you've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to <laughs> say as well, which is great. Um, I, I think he will come back stronger after this. We know he's a fighter. You know, he, he wants to win. He, he found all the defeats this year, really hard to take. And, you know, he, he recognised he didn't play well enough in his junior year at college. And the turnaround that he brought in for his senior year, you know, that kind of learning from a setback is something that I think he's going to get in 2021 as well.
2: Yeah. And I think that as well, with these young quarterbacks, it's so important that you can keep at You know, this, the same offensive philosophy around, the same offensive play caller, and, and the fact that the Bengals are, you know, very steadfast in that they give head coaches opportunity. They give them lots of time, and they've done that again with Zach Taylor when a few people were calling for his head. Hopefully, that will allow you know Joe Burrow in the second year of that offense to to really take a stride forward and and be pushing to you know. QB one, hopefully by the end of mm-hmm. end of the year as such. So uh, so the 103 back to you. Where are you going here? Now I know you've you've
3: had some people talk about this play already on on previous podcasts. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and I can <laughs> see that you've actually highlighted the box next to it. I'm I'm taking JT at 103.
2: It feels like this is this is fast becoming the five yard rush player to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah no, Nobody's allowed to come on the podcast without talking about him. So so why Jonathan Taylor?
3: Um I know there was a big talk about the second half performance in 2020 and, and I absolutely agree specifically with with Nick saying it on the on the last um uh, two shows ago. Um his second half performance was such a turnaround. Um I actually had drafted him in both my fan uh, dynasty leagues and I was wondering if I was starting to regret it after the midway point of the season because of what was happening. He didn't look like he could see the gaps. He kept running into tacklers when he was making the runs to the middle. And then every time any of the Indianapolis running backs made a mistake, they were getting pulled out and rotated in and out. And the second half of the season, that didn't seem to happen as much. It seemed to click more. Taylor said it himself that the game seemed to slow down around him. And that step up from college to NFL seemed to to make a bit of a difference in the second half. And it also made a difference that, you know, the play course varied from just ramming straight to the middle of the O-line. He actually got a chance to use the edges and not get stuffed as much and that strong finish was was really good. I think they also um you also covered Philip Rivers departing as well. And that could be a good thing for Taylor, maybe that just gives a bit more variance about um what's happening in the rush plays, a few more, you know, quarterback runs might might take a little bit of the pressure off Taylor and allow those
2: spaces to open up a bit more. Yeah, I th- I think it's it's kind of fascinating, isn't it? You know, the the Colts are the kind of the contender without a quarterback at the moment which seems slightly backwards in terms of you normally think that to be a contender you've got to have a top quarterback but whoever does end up in in Indianapolis whether it be you know via trade or or draft or free agency um you'd like to think that that offense is still going to be a you know an above average offense and i do i do tend to agree that i think it's going to run through Jonathan Taylor um you know my my point with Jonathan Taylor has always been that I love the player I'm I'm just a little bit scared of his current price in terms of dynasty mm-hmm. circles um but yeah to get him as the, the third player off the board in the rookie draft it's it's hard not to love it um so this is this is where for me I've got a bit of a tier tier break um to to kind of open up so I've got those very much those three in, in sort of a tier of their own um and then I'm to be honest I've I was kind of hoping that I wouldn't have to take the first wide receiver off the board because I kind of prefer the guy I've got ranked second over the guy I've got ranked first, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, um, but I'm going to stick to my board, so I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson as the 104. Um, yeah, Bob, what's not to love? You know, he was the wide receiver six um, mm. as a rookie. He was posting 17.1 points per game. You know, he he, he lined up all over the field. He proved that. Despite not having an elite quarterback in in what is not considered an elite offense, he was still able to produce incredible fantasy numbers. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that you're at least looking, you know, for him to be a wide receiver one or two over the next sort of four or five years. Hopefully,
3: he certainly made the most of the opportunities that he's had. Um, he, he's definitely grabbed uh, Stefan Diggs's place in the team in terms of getting that those long plays, those big, big plays uh, from Kurt Cousins. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Kurt Cousins just, just stick around in, uh, in the Vikings team, because I think that's going to change a lot of the reads that are made. Um, obviously the lack of the off season has made it quite difficult for a lot of um, rookie players to come in and, and make that connection with their quarterbacks, for example. Um, and I was having a look at the, the red zone targets for, Uh, Jefferson and Thielen, and Thielen has nearly twice as many red zone targets as Jefferson does. And I don't think it's a coincidence that 13 of uh, Thielen's touchdowns have come from the red zone looks, whereas only, I believe, only three of um, Jefferson's touchdowns came from inside the 20. So, you know, if a different quarterback comes in there, that could be really good for getting those increased touchdowns to Jefferson next year.
0: Yeah
2: that's that's a really interesting point certainly something that I've I've sort of not not looked at or thought about but you do when you think back to Justin Jefferson you know looking back at his highlights from last year all of his touchdowns do tend to be sort of those, those longer variety um they certainly don't remember any um sort of red zone looks that he was getting but that is interesting that you know as much as he had a, an incredible season could there potentially be some more upside there as you said if he's going to get some more some more red zone looks and obviously he did have a slow first couple of weeks to the season. Um, you know, Mm, if if he's now got a a full off season under the belt, um, I do think that he, for me, he's, he's in that top tier of, of kind of dynasty wide receivers and you've got to feel comfortable about him going forward. Mm. Um, so back to you for the one Oh five. So what are you going here? Um, well, the, the debate about having JT or, or Clyde
3: would just in, in who was going to be the top one off the board. Um, I've gone for C H next. I had actually Justin Jefferson at one of one of five, so he was my wide receiver one as well. But um, I want to put Clyde edwards a little bit higher up because, like I was saying before, the lack of off season, a lot of teams have just gone with what they've known, and I think that's why the Chiefs brought in players like Lavion Bell and used Dero Williams because they had worked in NFL outfits before, and you can't really get the at the the feel of a rookie player if you haven't got that extended preseason and the preseason games. So uh, that's why I think this off-season is going to be super key um, because they're going to get fully uh, to grips with what Edward Soler is capable of. There's no games to plan for, so they can try out new things. Whereas before it's just like, right, we plan for this game. This is what we're going to do. Is is Clyde going to be involved as much? Um, someone mentioned his red zone involvement on a previous pod as well. and, and, Hopefully that doesn't does improve as it did towards the end of the year. You get that little bit extra and you never know. Clyde could be the pick that people expected him to be, but we'll have to say that. But that's why I've got him a little bit higher up than normal.
2: Yeah. And I I think, you know, I've not got him this high. I think there's a few players that I would have ahead of him, but I completely get it. You know, I I talk with stocks about, I believe in draft capital and, you know, I, I think that he will come good. As a dynasty asset, my my concerns for him are the fact that I worry about that that red zone usage. You know, we, we talked about the lack of goal line opportunities after week one last year, mm. and I also worry that the book on him coming out of college was that he was an incredible pass catching weapon, but actually, if you look at the stats, he was a really good rushing running back between the twenties last year for the Chiefs. But he just wasn't utilised in the passing game anywhere near as much as mm. you know he probably should have been. Um, and I do wonder, you know, certainly I, I've been buying him up in this this playoffs um, because I think that his value is as low as it's probably going to ever going to be, um, and that might be a really good buy now to go and do because obviously mm-hmm. he didn't have a, a fantastic um, kind of Super Bowl. But I do think that next year with a, f- a full off-season. As you said, I think once he gets to have a whole training camp and the Chiefs can really see what he can do, I do hope that he gets integrated into that passing game more and then that will only raise his ceiling down the line for me. Hmm. I mean, he, he didn't get
3: that many opportunities in the Super Bowl, did he? But the, the, the yards per carry that he ended up picking up were you know, better than anyone any of the other rushes in the game. So if he
2: can translate that, then that'd be great. Absolutely. He had, he had nine rushing attempts and, and I think he was sort of seven seven yards of carry. I mean, I do wonder, I, do, I was talking to my brother earlier and I was saying that I think that the Chiefs kind of got away from what the Bucs were giving them because I felt like the Chiefs were too worried about trying to score in one play because they were down. And actually, yeah. if they'd have come out in the second half and gone, right, the Bucs are sitting back in a too high shell, let's, let's, you know, crossing routes, run the ball... I do wonder if they could have methodically knocked down the um, the kind of the deficit rather than trying to do it in one quick play. Yeah, um, and I do think that ending to next year, I, I, I'm I'm certainly buying CH based on his current value because I think he could could be a good um, good option moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to me for the 106. So I'm quite happy you you went running back there because that means I get to go and get go and pick my guy. Um, so <laughs> that's going to be CD Lamb. Um, I'll be honest, I absolutely love Steve Lamb. I think he's fantastic. Um, so he was the wide receiver 22 um, so far in the season. Um, but actually through his first five weeks in which he obviously was playing with Prescott, he was the wide receiver 11 at that point in the season, which you've got a guy that was a rookie, had had a you know, a, a broken pre-season in terms of no no true training camp, that kind of thing. And he was the wide receiver 11 through five weeks. I just think that his ceiling is top, you know, wide receiver one overall. Mm. Um, I think he is the best talent at the wide receiver position in the class from last year. And I think that he's a fantastic landing spot in Dallas. I think that you've probably got another year of of Amari Cooper being the kind of target leader, but I wouldn't be surprised if 2022 and beyond, you know, that becomes CD Lamb's offence. Um, I also think it's interesting... This is the last year in which Murray Cooper's contract is kind of unable to be moved, if that makes sense. So they could the Cowboys could easily walk away from Murray Cooper after the season, and then you've also got Michael Gallup, who's at the end of his rookie contract this year. So 2021 is going to be, you know, the three-headed monster passing attack, as well as obviously you've got Zeke and, and you know potentially Dalton Schultz and. Blake Jarwin potentially coming back. There's going to be a lot of mouths to feed, but I think from 2022 and beyond, I do honestly believe that CD Lamb could be that overall wide receiver one in, in fantasy. I think
3: you could be right as well. Just looking at the the stats that he had for those five games, averaging nearly eight targets a game, which is, which is a, a good figure for a, for a rookie to come in. And I, I believe he had... Probably the best chemistry with with an existing quarterback of any of the rookie receivers who came in. Um, Ten plus yards reception, two games of a hundred plus yards in just five weeks, and then two touchdowns against the Browns as well. He just didn't seem to have the chemistry with Andy Dalton, and and Gallup was the one who actually got the the better uh, end of the of the Dalton deal coming in. Um, so yeah, let's hope Dak is back in twenty twenty one because yeah, Ceedee Lamb will will feast off off Prescott.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people sitting at home listening to this thinking, how the hell can you take two wide receivers above, you know, this plethora of amazing rookie running back class? But for me, that's the reason why I'm going wide receiver here, because I think there's still four, five, six good running backs left on the board. You know, it is a truly incredible running back class. But for me, that positional value of, if I'm going to build around one player, one position in dynasty, it is that stud young wide receiver because the shelf life is six, seven years rather than the two, three years that I can get at a running back. Mm -hmm. So back to you for the
3: 107. Uh, I am going with J.K. Dobbins for this one. Um, And that is, again, looking at the second half of the season where the Ravens were breaking all kinds of records. Um, But another reason I've gone for him is because of um, Mark Ingram's, Ingram's release. And that just frees up more possibilities for the three remaining Russian personnel, should we say, because, you know, Jackson is a Russian, a Russian backer um, in all names but one. Um, and then also I feel that Jackson was starting to get a bit caught out with his scrambling as well. Like the defences were starting to cotton on to the fact that he was the one that was running the ball. And they had to incorporate the running backs more, um, which was great news for Dobbins, great news for Edwards as well. You know, the the, the form that Dobbins had in his last six games with seven touchdowns, they, they were realizing that he was a guy that they needed to use more to get that success. And I, I believe he's going to get that kind of usage next season as well. I like Edwards. I think Gus Edwards was one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL, looking at some of the stats that I made from my uh, Find the Gap series. Um, but I think, yeah, there's still enough there for Dobbins to do really well with this offence. Yeah.
2: Do, you, do you think, talking about is there, obviously he's a restricted free agent. Do you think that he'll be back with the Ravens or do you think that they'll sort of let him go and, and truly hand the keys over to Dobbins? I think they should keep him um,
3: just because of what he can bring to a team in being such an effective foil for Dobbins. I think Dobbins will take a bit more of a role than Ed- Edwards will, but Edwards shown it he can still do it. And, you know, losing Ingram has been a vital part of that, that offense for a couple of years, you know, they they need someone else. So they can't just rely on one player to get, to get tired out. I don't think Dobbins is quite there yet. So yeah, keep Edwards
2: at least for the time being. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's hard not to love Dobbins, you know, his efficiency stats from a, uh, Kind of in a reduced role, are absolutely incredible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, in terms of sort of yards after contact and, and those sort of things, it was absolutely fantastic. It's just a question of, I guess, is he going to get that true kind of two hundred plus, two fifty plus carry workload? Is he going to get the passing game usage? Um, that's that's my only slight concern with Dobbins. Um, I think the the guy I'm going to take here at, at the 108 um, is going to be DeAndre Swift. Um, and personally, I've got them back to back in, in kind of rankings. Um, they're very much in the same tier for me. Um, I just personally lean Swift over Dobbins for that fact that I know that Swift is going to get, you know, true workhorse load. You, we've obviously seen Dan Campbell talking about, he doesn't want a, a scheme guy. He wants a guy that's, gonna get the best out of his players. And he's, you know, highlighted John Jay Swift. He wants a guy that's gonna line Swift up in the slot and, and utilise him out there. And I'm very excited by potentially what Swift's usage could be. I think this offense, you know, if, if they do roll with Jared Goff, if indeed they do draft a rookie and try and try and offload Goff after restructuring his contact potentially, mm-hmm. um, I think this offence is going to be Swifts and, and kind of Swift's alone, if that makes sense. Yeah, are
3: you a little worried about? I don't know whether or not these reports were confirmed, but Swift wanted Peterson to come back. He wanted Adrian Peterson to come back for the twenty twenty one season. Do you think that has an effect on his game?
2: I don't. I don't think so. I think you know that, that certainly the the talk that I've seen is that Peterson is likely to come back, um, and I think he's he's quite keen to. Uh, to be honest, I don't think there's going to be many franchises that are going to offer him a contract. So he probably needs to snatch their hand off. Um, you know, I think we saw down the stretch last year that Peterson is is still going to get touches, he's still going to get opportunities, but I don't think he's going to get a big enough kind of slice of the pie as such that it's going to eat into Swift's workload. And and for me, the the big reason I lean Swift over Dobbins and and certainly CH in terms of being my kind of running back two in this class is I think his pass game usage is the best amongst anyone in in the Mm -hmm. in the draft and I think that he gets moved around you know he gets a significant amount of snaps out wide Dan Campbell's obviously talked about that and I just think that that raises that potential ceiling so much higher because yes even if you know someone like Adrian Peterson comes in and gets five to eight carries a game and and you're going to tell me DeAndre Swift's only going to get 15 carries a game but if he is complementing that with an extra kind of five or six targets then you know we're we're gonna be seeing significant enough workload for him to be an absolute stud. Yeah,
3: we don't we don't know what's going to happen in the wide receiver groups either do we? Like we we could see players coming out and they might just need to use Swift that, that bit more as well. You know, there could be even more for him.
2: Exactly that I think this offence is going to be Hawkinson and Swift. You know, they've got nobody else. I think Kenny golladay has gone. I think Marvin Jones is gone. I think um Marvin Hall's gone as well. It it's gonna be whoever they draft or sign in for agency and those two. And I think that this, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we're seeing TJ Hawkinson getting 110, 120 targets maybe next year, which seems ridiculous and is a, a, a you know, a huge number, but if he's going to be the, the true number one, and I think that John Swift could easily see a sort of 50 to 60 target season um, in, you know, within his range of outcomes. certainly. Mm. So where where are you leaning now? Where are we at? We're at one oh nine. The one oh nine. Um, I'm going for
3: James Robinson.
2: Okay.
3: Um, and again, there's like there's the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they have got a lot of first round picks coming in. they have you know got got a lot of players who've come out. And there's obviously the talk about to getting Trevor Lawrence in. Um, we saw a big things from Robinson. You know, he came in, did the business. You know, losing a lot of. I think Raikul uh was not is probably still out with COVID, actually, thinking about think it. Is. Last
2: I saw, he was still in hospital. So, yeah. Yeah,
3: so. Um, so we, we've got um, James Robinson coming in as a, as a big big lead back there. And I think one thing that held him back this year, if nobody, he got the numbers that he did, was that the Jags had to pass the way back into the game a lot because they just couldn't get things going on the defence or in on the offence as well. He had a floor of 11 carries, this season and that still got two touchdowns against the dolphins with that but i think if they do take Trevor Lawrence which is looking more and more likely now then it's not going to help him get those early carries because they're going to mix the offense up a bit but i think it does help him get those carries at the ends of games where they look to seal it out and they grind it out and i still think he gets a really good floor and you know potentially boosts his game as well because the pressure's taken off him a little bit
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it it seems ridiculous, isn't it? This is a guy that was the running back seven in points uh, on the season and and we're taking him at the 109 of the rookie draft. It it does seem slightly ridiculous. Um, I guess, you know, I've I've said a couple of times now that I do believe that he's going to be the lead back again in Jacksonville. I think they'd be silly to go out and, you know, spend whether it be draft capital or free agency money trying to bring a, a, you know, a workhorse in when you've already got a workhorse there that's proved it. I think I'd have been a little bit more confident if the the head coach and regime had stayed in place. But I think that you've got at least another one, potentially two years of him being a a plug-and-play late back-end RB1, early RB2. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this point in the draft, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the concern I have is that... So last year, he led the league, I believe, in opportunity share. So he had 81.5%. Opportunity to share, so that's um, running back rushes and, and targets, which is is an absolutely obscene volume in terms of work it, usage, yeah. especially for you know unprecedented for an undrafted free agent to uh, <laughs> to get that sort of workload. But that's that's my only concern is that we are going to see a reduction. He, he's not going to be able to sustain that next year. I think they're going to bring in a complementary back, um, but. I do also think he's going to see, you know, more touchdown potential if there's, you know, an upgrade at quarterback and an upgrade in the overall offense. Mm. So that does kind of raise that potential seeing a little bit if we're looking at potentially more more touchdowns, potentially fewer people in the box if you've got a generational quarterback. Hopefully we're going to be able to, to air the ball out a little bit more and free up some space for James Robinson. Yeah. So back to me for the 110. Um, so sticking with the the run of running back, should we say? Um, so I've got two in a tier here. So it's it's kind of neck and neck, ranked back to back. But I am going to go with Antonio Gibson. Um, it's similar to kind of as we've talked with DeAndre Swift, as we talked with James Robinson. I think that there's probably going to be an upgrade at quarterback. I think that there's going to be hopefully an improved offense all around. Um, Antonio Gibson, he was the RB13 last year. Um, average you know 14 and a half points per game he was a true stud down the stretch and I think that they're still not using him as he could potentially be used you know we saw him in college as a wide receiver that sometimes played running back that was moved all over the place as a true gadget player and then we saw him this year this year and he was basically plugged in you know behind behind quarterback and, yeah. and just used as a, a traditional running back I think that if we can get perhaps some more, more time in the off-season, he's got a year in the offence, hopefully if he can be used more as a, a kind of a movable piece, um, a little bit like JD McKissick was mm, yeah. you know, at times last year. Um, I think that, again, you know, I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but it raises that ceiling for him. And I think that he could easily end up as a, a kind of an RB1 as early as next year, potentially.
3: Yeah, I think he could be right as well. And there's also rumors about um, Ron taking Curtis Samuel from the Panthers when he becomes a free agent as well. And just thinking, having those three players to be able to just interchange between wide receiver and, and running back and sitting in the slot, and you know, just the the potential there to just keep defenses on the toes and and make some big plays is is something that I think makes Washington quite a bit of a threat next year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a, okay, it was an awful division that they they made the playoffs because they won, you know, they they were the best bad team, shall we say. Mm. But this is still a playoff team with a combination of Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Carl Allen and Tyler Heineke mm. at the quarterback. You know, if you're going to put in a, you know, a competent quarterback that can run that offense, this could quite easily be a, you know, top half of the league offence. And I think as soon as you do that, you know, more touchdown opportunity, hopefully we're going to see him move the round more. The, this is the kind of player that I quite like having because he's got that floor established. Mm. We know he's going to get workload. We know he's going to get those touches. But he's also got that really high ceiling of, you know, he could potentially fall out if, if we're going to see that increase in target, increase in usage. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him get a full season as well. Yeah, exactly that. So back back to you for the
3: the 111. Oh, um so I know that Cam Akers wasn't as as uh, involved as much as he could have been with the Rams because of Malcolm Brown and and Darrell Nixon coming in as well. But just the impact that he made, like the difference that the Rams could produce when they worked with a ground-based offense as opposed to Using primarily the pass game, I think made it such a huge difference. Um, he, I, I think, he suffered because of lack of preseason as well, and that's why they went for players like Henderson and Brown to, to start off with. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do, especially with a new quarterback as well. Um, the, the Rams are, are very, um, what should we say, limited in, in how many players that they use in their in their receiving group. I think they only use ten players to target in 2020, which is the smallest number in the NFL Uh, and only two of those players saw 20 targets or less Malcolm Brown saw 33 targets in 2020 and that was because Akers was unavailable so you've got him coming through in like one of the lead rushing roles but he's also got the opportunity to grab the targets in the pass catching game as well I think he's going to be a really big threat for the Rams next year
2: yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I hinted when I was picking Gibson that there was two running backs in a, in a tier and, and Akers was the second. I think uh-huh. you, you've only got to look at the way he was utilised in those two playoff games. Um, you know, if you look at, the, from a fancy perspective, the two playoff games, he scored 25.6 points and 18.6 points. Well, those, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's top five, top five running back numbers there. I appreciate it's a small sample size, but it shows that when the game was on the line, you know, when... the the Rams had to win to make it through. Akers was in a true workload, workhorse role. They utilized him in the run game, the pass game. You know, they were giving him the carries when it was important. Mm-hmm. Yes, I get that Thoreau Henderson was slightly, you know, nicked up and injured, but I think that this Rams team is, is going to be win now. You know, they spent their first overall pick in the draft last year going out and getting the running back, despite the fact they had. Thorough Henderson and Malcolm Brown already in house. To me, that shows that they really believe that what Cam Akers could be, and I think that he is going to, you know, be a fantastic back next year from fantasy perspective. We've also seen, you know, new quarterback in in terms of Matt Stafford. You can go back the last ten years, and Matt Stafford has always t- targeted his running backs heavily. You know, not at the Phil Rivers level, but you've only got to think. Back in the day, you know, Joyke Bell, Jarvid Best, um, even DeAndre Swift this last year, you know, they've always been target monsters. And if Cam Akers gets, you know, if we're talking kind of a sixty to seventy percent rushing share, but is also gonna get fifty percent of those potential running back targets, that's a you know, fringe RB one, you know, R B two player that you've just picked up at, at the end of the first round of the rookie draft, which seems, yeah. you know, it it just shows you just how loaded this draft class was that we're, you know, 11 picks in it, picks it, and you're picking a guy that, that has the potential to finish as an RB1, RB2 next year.
3: Yeah, and it, like DeAndre Swift got 57 targets from Stafford last year, if if Akers is going to get a similar number, I used to say say that, that ceiling just bumps up a little more. I'm quite surprised though, because we had, Cam Akers at 107 and he's actually gone down four places so it shows like the difference that other players have made this year to be able yeah. to justify getting bumped up.
2: Yeah, absolutely, you know, he he's had a decent year, obviously a fantastic playoff run and and we drafted him four picks <laughs> later than he was in rookie drafts. I think, you know, we've seen the wide receivers jump up perhaps in this, you know, maybe that's me. I'm a little bit more wide receiver happy than, uh, than the 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 norm. Um, obviously, C.D. Lamb was going 109, and Justin Jefferson was 111 last year, so that's probably what's what's bunting them down a little bit. And mm. um, so, with the final pick in the um, in the first round, so I'm I'm going to stick with that wide receiver trend. And um, so, I'm going to take T. Higgins as the uh, the wide receiver three off the board. Um, you know, this this guy showed that in the short time he got with Joe Burrow before he went down. You know, he he had a couple of weeks slow start, but from week three on to, to when Joe Burrow got injured, he was a wide receiver too. Um, he averaged over 12 points a game, finished as the wide receiver 28 in his rookie season. Um, for me, I just think that he's, you know, he's proven that he can be a reliable fantasy receiver in what is going to be an ascending offence. You know, you can basically cut and paste everything I said about Joe Burrow and insert it here and see Higgins. Um I think he's going to be number one in that offense in terms of target volumes. Yes, I think Tyler Boyd's still going to be, you know, a good, solid, reliable slot receiver. But I think T. Higgins is, is going to be that sort of one twenty target guy that is hopefully going to be a fantasy stud for the next, you know, five, six, seven years.
3: Yeah, I love I love T. Higgins. I think you, you've just covered it just right there as well. Like the 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 the, the bump that Burrow. Gave him. I, I kind of put it onto a similar level of uh, of Dak with CD as well. Like they just got that connection. So um, you know, they developed it in such a short space of time. And yeah, you know, once he once he gets that protection behind the, the line, I think Joe Burrow is going to go to him early and often. And I, I couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah, and I think. For me, that's it's, it works quite well because that's the first round done. But I think, for me, there's sort of a, a tear break after those top 12 guys. I think there's a little bit of a drop down. That's not to say these next guys aren't fantastic picks and, <laughs> at all. There's still some really good guys on the board. Um, but I just think that there's a, a little bit of a, a kind of a tear drop, should we say, moving on to this. So we're will um, we going to go through the, the second round now. We'll, we'll probably try and pick this up a little bit, probably not going into mm. as much detail. But uh, but back to you with the the two o one. So where are you going here? I'm
3: going for Jerry Judy. There was two hours flicking between, but I've gone for Jerry Judy on this one. And the reason I've gone for Jerry Judy is because of Cortland Sutton coming back. Um, I think Cortland Sutton's injury actually really hurt Judy this year because the coverage shifted over to him. They knew how threatening Judy could be. He got the coverage and it interfered with his play quite a bit. But that also led to other players doing really well. So like Tim Patrick doing really well, really well, um, Noah Fant getting a lot of the of of the of the volume as well. There's also a bit the question with the inconsistent quarterback as well. I think if they do stay with Drew Locke and he manages to get a streak of injury free games, I think um, that and Sorton's return could do wonders for Judy.
2: Yeah, you know I I love Jerry Judy the player. My concern, I guess, is that that quarterback position, isn't it? I think. Mm. I just worry if Drew Locke is going to be a good enough quarterback that he can sustain two, potentially three viable receiving options when you think you've got Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton and and then potentially Jerry Judy. Um, you know, as as a second round pick, it's it's hard not to love it. Um I just worry that, you know, he saw an incredible volume this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, I get that, you know, he was seeing a lot of coverage his way. Yes, the quarterback play was questionable, but I don't think he's going to see that level of volume moving into next year. And he was only the wide receiver forty five. 45. Um, I think at, at this point in the draft, absolutely, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great pick, but I just worry that I guess there's a cap on his ceiling because of the offence as a whole. You know, we, we could be sitting here in a week's time and they've gone and traded for Deshaun Watson or something like that in which case this is an incredible pick but uh, that's that's my concern sort of I guess with Judy is what what's that quarterback position look like in 12 months time
3: Yeah which, which is why I, I mentioned um, whether or not it could be consistent because we, we haven't really seen a full you know, injury free season from Drew Lock and whether or not he, he can actually do it I think players like if, if Patrick does stick around uh, I think Hamler will be affected by it as well I think Hamler's uh, limited uses will drop off as well. So if, if there's gonna be three to feed, I think Judy's probably gonna feature as the third one. Um I'm just excited to see if he can actually show what he could do in college. Like, because he's had notoriously sticky hands in college but didn't really get to show that as much this year.
2: Yeah, and I think it's you know, you you mentioning Hamler there. He's he's the kind of guy that I sort of really hate in fantasy and that he's he's got a couple of good games in him he's got a couple of long touchdowns in him but i don't think he's ever going to see the volume he's just annoying in that he will eat into <laughs> jerry judy he will eat into courtland Sutton but he's never going to produce reliable enough numbers that you feel comfortable starting him um yeah you know i i think jerry judy as as the player is absolutely fantastic it's it's more a concern around that situation if you told me that you know, in, in a year's time, they're going to see a big upgrade at quarterback, whether that be through the draft or, or somebody new coming in, or or as I said, if if you said Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback in in Denver this season, um, then yeah, I'd, I'd have probably taken Joe Judy five, six, seven picks earlier. Um, and, and as I said, at, at this point, it's, it's you know, it's, it's not a, it's hard not to love it, basically, just because of that yeah. value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go back to um, back to the quarterback position here. Um, you know, when when in doubt, take a quarterback. I think the fact that I'm going to get the, the QB three off the board in you know the early second round of a superflex mock is um, is fantastic. Um, I'm probably going to go slightly different to what people are expecting. In I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts um, here, which which leaves two on the board a little bit longer. Um, I just think that when I'm taking a punt on a quarterback at this point, I'm looking purely for upside. Mm-hmm. um and i think that jalen hurts with his you know his potential to to run the ball and and potentially you know pass the ball as well i think his upside is so much higher than somebody like Tua. Mm-hmm. we've seen yeah. he, you know he started four games he averaged 23 points a game that was more than justin herbert did through his season um so you know i'm not saying that jalen hurts is going to be a top five six boss bat next year but if we see that offence, you know, potentially take a step forward in terms of the receiving weapons and he can still, you know, you have that running game usage combined with hopefully a step up in, in those receiving weapons and, and potentially be a you know dual threat quarterback that we're all looking for um, and all kind of crying out for in, in the fantasy world at the moment. Yeah,
3: I, I love his rushing potential and I actually really like what he can do with Miles Sanders as well. I think the fact that both of them have got that rushing ability actually does take a little bit of pressure off Miles Sanders. My my worry here is is the offensive line and actually being able to give him the protection that he needs to make those passes. Um, there were just times this season where the offensive line would work very minimally and then just watch Carson Wentz get sacked or watch Hurts <laughs> get sacked and... and that there wasn't the protection there to make the passes that you would want for some of those wide receivers.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm essentially basing this pick on Carson Wentz being gone. Um, I think if, if Carson Wentz was still around, I'd, I'd probably look somewhere else with this pick. Yeah. Um, but I think with all the rumors of him potentially going to Chicago, um, all the rumors of you know, it's it's looking like. This is going to be Jalen Hurts' team for the next three, four years, and I just think that with that potential rushing upside in a, as a second round pick, you know, I'm absolutely delighted here. Um, so back, back to you with the the two hundred three. Where are you going?
3: It's all going to depend on what happens at Green Bay, whether or not this pick is going to is going to turn out, because uh, Aaron Jones could could be leaving Green Bay. We don't know whether or not it's it's it's. It's finalised yet. If he's going to another team or if he's going to get an extension, but I think his departure could be great news for AJ Dylan. Um, the the end of the season after he'd gotten through his injuries and through it, through the COVID protocols and coming back in, um, we, we saw some real glimpses of what he could have done throughout the season. Um, and also Jamal Williams is up for free agency as well, so there there is potential here for you know Dylan to take the role of two players get get all the rushing volume in there as well and maybe green bay take a veteran to help you know um give some uh comp- competition in the position or draft someone in the fourth round um to give a bit more competition there it's all dependent on, on whether or not any of the running backs who've been established this season are staying around but I'd, i want dylan at the 206
2: yes yeah, so i think that you know You've only got to look at that week 16 performance, haven't you? You know, he drops mm. dropped 26 points in a, in a week. I think that you know that shows his kind of upside potentially. I do think that Green Bay yeah, will win one thinking. of those running backs back, and I think they're going to almost use the fact that both of them are up as leverage to hopefully you know get a team friendly deal. Um, but I think that AJ Dillon is going to carve out a significant role for him, and as you said, if you can get you yeah, know, a startable running back in, in the second round at this point. That's that's fantastic. Um back to me. So at the 204, so I'm gonna go oh, with yeah, Brandon Ayuk here. Um yeah, I mean yes, there's a lot of questions about can he produce with you know Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle fully healthy, but from week seven to week fifteen, which I appreciate I'm taking a you know an arbitrary random <laughs> period of time, but during that those weeks he was actually wide receiver three in points per game. So he averaged twenty point wow. eight points per game, which is you know astounding. Um, I just think that this is worth a risk at this point in the draft for a guy that could be, you know, a very useful wide receiver. Um, yes, if if he come, you know George or Debo Samuel, that carve out their their roles as the one and two. Is there going to be enough targets in a a run first offense for him to be fantasy viable? But I guess I'm I'm taking a punt on uh, on that potential upside.
3: Yeah, and what's what's quite odd about Ayuk is that he he kind of took a, a Debo's role when Debo was out injured, but Ayuk had only ever run rushed once in college. Um, I think it was only for about six yards as well. So to so to see him fit quite naturally into making those end around runs it was was quite a pleasant surprise for people who drafted him quite late on. Um, and you've got to remember that he was also getting the majority of his passes from Mullins and and CJ as well after Jimmy G's injury. So if there's a bit of an upgrade there, it could be it could be good news for not just IAC but the whole San Francisco yeah. receiving core.
2: Yeah, and it's it's another question mark at quarterback, isn't it? Seems to be a theme throughout this this year. But uh, who who knows? You know, the 49ers can move on from Jimmy G. I think it's two million in their cap. They'd have to eat if they cut mm. him. Um, so we could it could easily see, you know, one of these potential free agent quarterbacks, or or indeed one of these veterans by trade. Um, you do wonder who could potentially be thrown the ball to him in uh, in San Francisco next year. So, so back to you with the 205, where, where are you going
3: here? I'm going for Chase Claypool on this one. And I know you're a big DJ fan as well. So um, <laughs> <laughs> this, this could be quite a, quite a controversial one. Um, but at this, this all really comes down to Big Ben saying that he might be coming back for another season, um, which is go- going to be good for the passing game um not not so good for the running game unfortunately um um so it's good news for DJ and for Claypool as well um i think if Ben does decide to retire though in between now and the start of the season i think this this could drop and with Juju leaving as well potentially to another club i think this just gives those two um a, a great opportunity to 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 hit the numbers that we we kind of expect them to see if there's only two big receivers
2: yeah and I I don't think my my love for for Deontay is is not necessarily a hate for Claypool. (laughs) I think it's just perhaps me as a fantasy player, it's the type of player that I don't particularly like rostering, if that makes Mm. sense. In that, you know, I I talked about it earlier with someone like KJ Hamler. I think Claypool, you know, next year, and he he might prove to be more consistent, but I do worry that he's going to have a season like he did this year where he'll have five or six weeks where he is absolutely phenomenal, posts incredible numbers and will win you a week, but could quite easily disappear for a week or two and and kind of, you know, essentially lose you the week. And that's just not the type of player that I like at my wide receiver positions. Um, as a wide receiver, I'm looking for somebody like Deontay, who I know is going to get 10 targets a week and, and has that floor mm. of seven, eight points, as his worst case scenario, you know, um, but as you know, I, I seem to keep saying it, it is ridiculous. You know, this is the 17th player off the board and it's a guy that finished as the wide receiver 23 this year mm-hmm. in his rookie year. You know, this is such an incredible class. It's it's hard not to love it quite frankly. <laughs> uh, so, so back to me with the 206. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to finally halt the slide um i'm gonna finally go back to the quarterback well and, and take Tua. um i think it's perhaps says says all it needs to in the fact that he has he has fallen all the way yeah. down to the the you know the the two o six in this draft but for me i i just worry about that upside i think i'm not sure miami is fully committed to him being the quarterback for the next you know four or five years. i worry that if if he does falter again that that could be the end of him as a you know a starter in the league and I just think that he you know he moved around he rushed a lot in in college not as a you know a, a kind of dual threat quarterback but as a mobile quarterback that could move in the pocket has that been affected by the injury we didn't see it a huge amount in Miami um, I, I hope that he's going to come back you know have another year since that that horrific knee injury and could be a really good kind of starter. Right? But I just I just think that he's got that cap on that ceiling. You know, we we saw the game. I can't think which one it was, but I think it was week 14 or week 15 where he had, you know, sort of 20 passes for about 80 yards and it was absolutely pathetic. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick came in and in, I think, one drive had more <laughs> passing yards than Tua did in three quarters. And I just think that unless he's going to, Take a huge step forward this off season. I worry about his ceiling, but you know, as I said, at the 18th pick off the board, it's hard not to not to go and pick a guy that was going as the 104 in startups last year, but in some circles was the QB one, QB two. And you hope you you hope that he can get that consistency and and
3: you know be allowed to to make some mistakes and then learn from it rather than just getting taken straight out for for the backup quarterback because. Fitzpatrick does seem to have a trend of being able to men- mentor quarterbacks and then just usurp the places as the starter. <laughs> um, but I think that they need to give Tua a bit more time, and you know Flores, he drafted Tua and he needs to just just give him give him the season and let him get get it through and stay unscathed, and you know hopefully get some offensive weapons that aren't going to get injured and actually give him a give him a shot at at
2: making some decent plays. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we are. Where are we now? We're two oh seven. So where are you? Where are you going here? It's
3: getting. It's getting a little bit difficult. Um, on because I've got a few a few wide receivers lined up who all kind of feature very similarly in, in what they do. Um, but it feels like there's
2: a big drop off yeah. after that pick, doesn't it? It feels like there's a Another kind of tier break. We talked about the tier break after twelve, and, and there's definitely a tear break here for me.
3: And there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about whether or not they're going to be playing with the same quarterbacks as well. So I think I might have to go for Dan L. Mooney on this one. Oh, okay. Um I really like Dan L. Mooney. Um he, he had a really good season. Um he seemed to get uh the inconsistency of of you know having Mitch or is it or having Foles passed to him. But I think Alan Robinson moving on. If he if he does decide to move on, um it could be a big thing for him. I think he could be the the, the big player for Chicago. Um um it it's all gonna depend on who's throwing to him now.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest, I was I was shocked that that you took him there, but that wasn't shock at the pick, it was shock because I thought that I was higher on him the most. Um <laughs> so I was, was shocked to be usurped as such. Yeah, I I love Don Mooney, I think you know he is blazing fast. But he showed last year that he's got a kind of nuanced route tree. He can win in different levels of the field, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that he's always going to kind of be at his best as a one B in an offense. I don't think he's ever going to be that that true number one kind of X receiver. I think he needs somebody to, to kind of complement him and work off. But if we can, you know, again, there's all sorts of rumors about who could be the quarterback in Chicago at the moment. Um but if hopefully it's it's an upgrade on, you know, Nick, Nick Foles and, and Mitch Trubisky, yeah. who were both quite frankly shocking last year. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, he he averaged almost ten points a game in a complimentary role in a bad offense as a rookie. Hopefully he can take a step forward and you know at this point, love it. Absolutely love it. Um so back to me with the two oh eight. Um so again, I'm I'm gonna stop another slide, shall we say. Um, I'm going to take Jalen Rager. Um, just, you know, this is a guy that was a first-round pick six months ago. Um, I, I do worry with rookie wide receivers that just don't produce. Um, that's an absolute red flag for me. Um, I think, you know, there's a guy that I, I imagine will come to in a couple of picks that that didn't produce but at least flashed in a couple of games. And I'm not sure that Jalen Rager did, but, you know, I say it before, I'm a draft capital guy and I just think that he's got the potential to still produce if hopefully we, we finally see some improved quarterback play. Um, it, it certainly can't get any worse from what it was last year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I love Rager. I, I wrote about him in my writer's battle for the wide receivers, for the rookies. Um, so I've learned a lot about him and you know, really, really enjoyed what he did in college. It's just so unfortunate that his injury kind of coincided with a lot of other injuries in Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia targeted 20 players throughout last season, which was one of the highest in the league. I think it was the joint highest in the league. Um, so there wasn't any, able to, to make any any consistent plays. I think he could have been something that was very useful to Philadelphia if he had just stayed fit.
2: Yeah, and I think that there, there is definitely a role for a fancy relevant receiver in the offence. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw Travis Fulgan pop up, pop up in the middle of the year. Um, you know, it looks like Jeffrey is gonna be out the door. I do wonder if Deshaun Jackson could be following him. Um, you know, um JJ Arsegia Whiteside has certainly not produced what what people hoped. Um and I think that there's there's a role for somebody to to produce kind of fancy relevancy. We've seen over the last week or so some reports that Travis Fulgham lost the the trust of the coaching staff for his work habits and and I think that you know, at this point in the draft, I'm willing to take a punt on Jalen Rager, hopefully coming out and being the guy. So, um, so back to you with, uh, with the 209. Oh, um, I am going to go for,
3: again, this is where the drop off is coming quite, uh, quite strongly here, but um I like Michael Pittman. Oh,
2: I thought you were going to take my guy. Okay. I'm oh, happy. that's good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, like he, had a, a really strong season as well. Um, he was a member, but he's a member of a very strong wide receiver group. And, you know, uh, Philip Rivers liked to spread the ball about, you know, not just in wide receivers, but with the Titans as well, you know, with the running backs. Um, T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal, the two players who put, got better receiving stats, are also on free agency coming into this year as well. So there could be a battle between him and Paris Campbell for who makes the move into becoming you know the ex-receiver it's I think maybe Pittman has the edge because Campbell's uh, injury history hasn't had um, a whole lot of games shall we say um, so we're just gonna have to see how this one goes but I do like Michael Pittman in what he what he managed to to make of his season
2: yeah and I think that you know I, I kind of foresee Campbell being used as he was early last year in that running out the slot a lot of underneath a lot of crossing routes and i think that Pittman is probably going to be used as you said in that sort of extra receiver outside big body move the chains kind of guy Mm -hmm. um yeah but you know i I really like the guy i really like the pick it's it's again you know i seem to be saying this every time but it's a big question mark about who that quarterback is going to be um moving into next year um now for me, at the two ten, um, I'm very pleased that you didn't take him. It was, it was um, between him
3: and it was between him and Pitman. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll be honest. This this is my guy. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jets fan. Uh, I've got high hopes, but it is going to be Denzel Mims. Um, showed some real potential in flashes last mm, year. Yeah. Um, didn't didn't kind of take that step forward down the stretch. He if you, you've only got to look at he had significant targets through a four or five week period from week 11 on um, but actually his catchable target rate was one of the worst in the league he was around the this kind of 60 percent mark for his catchable targets and I think it just shows that you know Sam Donald was was pretty awful as a quarterback last year and I think that potentially you know again a lot of rumors about who's going to be the Jets quarterback but I think there could be a potential to see an upgrade there. I think you're going to see an upgrade in the overall offence with, you know, we've got a lot of money to be spending in free agency and some really good draft capital. So I am expecting, you know, an upgrade in terms of that, that move forward as, as an entire offence. But I'm also quite excited about the offence coordinator. You've got um, the LeFleur brother coming over from the Colt Shanahan mm-hmm. scheme. Um, you know, if, if Denzel Mims is going to be utilised, a la the, the kind of the wide receivers in San Francisco or if you kind of go back and, and say he could be utilised as that kind of ex-receiver, something like a Julio Jones. I think he's got the big enough body that he's going to be utilised on those in-breaking routes um, I am very excited about his potential next year and as the, what are we now, 22nd player off the board um, I think at that value he's, he's an absolute buy for me That sounds good so your your final pick? I'm
3: gonna go for Henry Ruggs.
2: at the two ten. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to be so quite so silent there.
3: Yeah. Um I think the difficulty would signing to, you know, wide receivers like Ruggs and Edwards. Um kind of backfired on the on the Raiders a little bit because they the usage that the Raiders got out of their existing players, like, you know, Hunter Renfro, they got Aguilar as well, they got Darren Waller, you know, massive tight end season for him. Um but then Ruggs ended up as the wide receiver three on the team with with only about forty odd targets. And I I think they, they could potentially give him more once they give him the off season and he gets a chance to do what he showed in college, like there was such big expectations about Ruggs coming out of college and coming into the NFL, but just didn't really get a chance to show it as consistently as we expected.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, it's back to this thing about what I want from my wide receivers. And I was very low on Henry Ruggs coming out Um because I think that he's going to be a better NFL player than a fancy receiver and I think he is very useful to offences because of his pace because of his the ability to stretch the field you know you can't line him up in a true one-on-one you're always going to shade that safety over the top because he's got the pace to get behind but I just don't think that he's ever going to be able to carve out a role to be kind of truly fancy relevant um, and it comes back to this thing of um, you know I said earlier I really don't like wide receivers that don't produce in their rookie year because you know history has shown that there's a couple of exceptions in terms of Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin but outside of that in the last five years if you don't produce in your rookie year as a top 50 wide receiver you, you pretty much don't have the opportunity to produce moving forward um, but you know, as as a flyer, why not? It's it's worth going and taking a punt on a guy that can score any time he touches the ball, isn't
3: it? Yeah, and when we look at the, the remaining options that we have left, it's <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's not great. It's
2: not great. <laughs> no, no, I agree. And um, so the guy I'm going to take as the final player in this, this mock draft, um, so it's gonna be Lavisca Chennault. Mm. Um and this is, you know, we've said it. I think 10 times now. And, and perhaps if anyone's playing a drinking game, they can keep drinking. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's going to be a very different quarterback situation in, in Jacksonville. Um, and I think that, you know, we, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, DJ Chark is absolutely the, the kind of dynasty darling at the moment, everyone's saying, go out and buy DJ Chark because he's going to see a, you know, a massive upgrade in quarterback play, but there's no guarantee that LaVisca Schnork's not going to be the one there in terms of target volume. Um, And I just think that, you know, at this point in the draft, you can go and take a punt on a guy that, you know, he produced over 11 points a game last year with awful quarterback play in a slightly backwards offence. If we're going to see a step forward, you know, Urban Meyer, yes, he is a very questionable human being, shall we say. But I think that he is an innovative offensive mind and, and he brings that to Jacksonville. You've got a guy like Chennault that can line up all over the field, gets used out of the backfield, out of the slot, out wide. You know, he could potentially be a, a usable fancy option. Someone like a, a Debe Samuel, the way he's used in in San Francisco, I could see that as the the potential for Chennault in uh, in Jacksonville.
3: You make a very good point there about where he, where he was lining up and the and the roles he did. Because I've got in my notes next to him, he he did okay, but then thinking about it, he wasn't. Um, a mainstay in any position was that He did move around, and and I think that's probably why he was a bit more under my radar for me. Um, I like I say, like a new quarterback could very much turn that around, and, and I think I think you could be right with that one.
2: Yeah, I think you know at, at this point in the draft, I think with with this draft class, it, it is truly incredible. But I think once you get out of, I can't remember where we said it, sort of the top maybe eighteen guys. I'm just looking for upside, mm. and I think that you know, yes, there's a few wide receivers here that we've not mentioned, someone like Gabriel Davis or someone like that, that, that has that potential upside. But I don't, I wouldn't put any of those guys ahead of Levis Kishanel or, or Denzel Mims or even someone like Henry Ruggs, who, you know, has, has got decent draft capital on, is in hopefully an offence that is going to take a step forward. And, you know, why not take a punt? And, and if he doesn't turn into anything, you've, you've not really wasted much in terms of cost. Yeah, true. Yeah, fantastic. So that that concludes the the mock draft. Um, before you go, though, Rob, I'm keen to you know everyone that comes on. I get your your Dynasty Island picks. So this is one player that you'd want on your Dynasty Island, um, and then one player that you'd want to abandon on Dynasty Island and therefore not have to own ever again. So who are you going for?
3: So the player that, that I mean, I, there's only really one player that I've got in both both my Dynasty leagues. I've only got two. Um, is Jonathan Taylor, but I think the play that I would have to pick would, it would have to be Travis Kelsey. I've only got him in one league, but the the difference that he makes in the leagues that I'm in, where tight ends do score very well is, you know, it's just such a drop off from there. And you, you may get a, a player like Darren Moller who gets up to tight end too, or you get George Kittler who comes in and challenges as well, but you made a very good um, ADP stat previously uh, this month, in that his his value is just so consistent that you can just drop him in there, and there's just no questions that you know Kelsey is gonna perform.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was I think it was 74 consecutive months that he's been valued as a top five tight end in ADP, which is just you know, that is incredible consistency. And let's be honest. We're we're all sitting here hoping that he's got at least two, maybe three years left as that sort of elite tight yeah. end. I think I don't see any potential of him taking a step back certainly next year and and hopefully in twenty twenty two. Um, now the you know the exciting one who who are you abandoning on the, on an island?
3: So I'm going to be dropping off a running back.
2: Um, and
3: you know we've we've seen such a dramatic turnover of running backs over the last few years. You know. Todd Gurley going from, you know, stood in the Rams to virtually being unneeded at the Falcons. You've got Kenyon Drake, you've got David Johnson. They've they've had the day now. They've had the day in the sun. Um, but it's going to be James Conner is going to be the man that I leave behind um, just because of how effective he was with the ball this year. As in, he wasn't very effective at all. I think he was probably one of the least, if not the least effective running back Effective lead back um, with how far he got with his runs, and again, this comes down to whether or not Big Ben is going to be there. And I think Ben Big Ben got sacked amongst the least in the NFL, and just shows the amount of protection that that line is willing to give the quarterback rather than the running backs. And you know, it could be another another season of a great pass game, but not a great run game. Byron Amanda, he's actually coming to the end of his running contract as well, his, uh, his rookie contract. So it doesn't look really good for his prospects next year. So I just feel like he's just going to be left floating in limbo. Um, I actually sold him midway through the the season in one of my dynasty leagues and I, I haven't looked back.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to not agree with everything you said. I think that that offence, you know, Big Ben is its such a pass-heavy offence and he gets the ball out so quickly that that, that short... Intermediate passing game almost replaces the run game. Um, you know, my my big thing is that I bang on you need to sell running back twos. Those are the kind of guys that finish in that, you know, RB 15 to RB 20, 26, 28 range that basically finish there because they get 10 to 15 carries a game and and are sort of plodders, but don't do anything with it. Those are the guys that I never want to own, quite frankly, because I think that you know, I can replace a James Connors production with a guy off the waiver of wire as a, a kind of a, a bi-week feeling and such. So yeah, completely get that, Rob. That is, I uh, agree with you there 100%. So thank you ever so much for for coming on, Rob. It's been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed um, talking through the rookie draft with you and, and look forward to uh, hopefully bullying you into uh, to getting in a few more dynasty leagues as we, uh, as we approach start <laughs> season um but before you go where where can everyone find you where can everybody find your work and uh, follow you on twitter so i'm i'm only really assigned to
3: to five yard rush at the moment so that's where all my work is so it's on fiveyardrush.co.uk and i uh, tweet those out from my handle at five rob yeah, i had a previous name that was a bit too complicated for people it's very difficult to spell <laughs> so i've just gone for five yard rob as my twitter handle
2: Nice, nice and easy nice and simple yeah. but, uh, but thank you very much and uh, yeah we'll speak to you again soon